Hello everyone and welcome to Snatched, a Gay Times original podcast. Each week we'll be reviewing the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race UK Season 2, dissecting all of the drama and kaflama, and speaking exclusively with the latest eliminating queen. My name is Sam Dampshness and I am the associate editor of Gay Times. Girl, don't you dare undersell yourself. You are the drag race editor, the drag race extraordinaire. I mean, Miss Reddit, Miss Encyclopedia, Miss Wikipedia, they ain't got nothing on you. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that gorgeous voice you've just heard there is Umar Sawa, our fashion editor at Gay Times, who has styled many a queen for the pages of our magazine and will be giving his critiques on the week's looks, along with plenty more tea, most likely. Umar, are you ready to get into the nitty and gritty of it all? I mean, I'm ready. Are you ready? Oh, oh, oh I'm ready. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. On this week's semi-final, the top four queens sashayed over to Albert Square for B-Stenders before getting a masterclass from Sonia Fowler herself, Natalie Cassidy. We finally got an EastEnders challenge, Umar. Dun, 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 B-Stenders. <laughs> Are you buzzing? I am buzzing. I mean... I'm not much of a cyber queen, but, you know, EastEnders has given us quite a plentiful, iconic moments over the years, so... Plentiful. Yes, plentiful. plentiful. I mean, <laughs> we saw a couple of them in the acting workshop with Natalie Cassidy, but, I mean, Bubbly in the Fridge, You Ain't My Mother, <laughs> Rekka or Mikay. <laughs> oh, um, don't, don't. I, I know, Mikay is a very um, sensitive topic for you in this episode but i mean yeah eastenders mm. she is the supreme queen that square i mean she's given us a lot over the years yeah i know i mean we've just spoken about catchphrases though right so let's actually talk about iconic eastenders moments what are your favorites because i've got a few i think my top one is janine pushing <gasps> poor old sob barry <laughs> <off the cliff. laughs> they should have won baftas emmys everything for that because that was just iconic because it was an accidental push. And then when he just <laughs> lay in there dying, she's like, let me put up a seat on this rock. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I have to say, right, I live in Devon. Well, you know, I come from Devon. <laughs> I have rolled down many a hill in my life, right? And I've not died, all right? That was... She must have pushed... She must have pushed it hard. I'm sorry. Because I've done roly-polies down several fucking cliffs. Do you know what I mean? I know. But then didn't... Oh, I don't know. Maybe he landed on a soft spot on his brain or something. I don't know. I think my favourite moment, maybe in the recent last few months, I mean, Sharon trying to kill Ian Bill <laughs> with the poisonous Christmas pudding. I mean, that was, that was um, a moment. I know. And then what else? I mean, Bubbly in the Fridge, all-time favourite. Bubbly in we the Fridge. We love Zoe Lucker. We love Zoe Lucker. Do you know what I like? Do you know what I like? I like when Chrissy, Zoe, and Sam teamed up against Dirty Den. That was a legendary feminist moment, all right? It was very, um, it was very, it was very much like a coven of three East End <laughs> witches <laughs> joining forces. Yeah, that, that was, that was an iconic moment. East Enders hyphen coven. Coven. Oh, you better, spin off <laughs> you better email Ryan Murphy. <laughs> oh, I will. <laughs> Also, also, who shot Phil Mitchell? Do you remember that storyline? <gasps> Fucking love that. Oh, I mean, it rings the bell, but... It was Lisa. Don't you remember? <gasps> it was Lisa. Oh, my God. It's life. Honey, you're showing your age now. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? If we actually have US viewers listening to this, they're going to have no fucking clue what we're talking about. Well, they've got BBC America. Yeah, true. If you're listening to this and you, ha you don't know what EastEnders is, please go out there and stream it, all right? It's a phenomenon. All right. It's a phenomenon. Okay, anyway, before the queens made their Wolford debut this episode, they penetrated a pink hole, just like past seasons, um, when they competed in a bitch fest with puppets. We all love puppets, don't we? I mean, yeah, we do. And especially in Drag Race history, I think. I mean, the puppet challenge, it can be a hit or miss kind of thing. And me personally watching... This instalment of the puppet show, I was underwhelmed. Well, I was already underwhelmed because RuPaul came out and he wasn't in another iconic wig. 
like mm. last week, he was he didn't have one, which I was really upset about. I know we made fun of him last week, but I was really hoping he'd come out with another bright hairpiece. So I was already disappointed. But yeah, no, it didn't it didn't make me laugh this much this week. It was surprising because I think with the reading challenge, it was very visceral. Uh, yeah, and it was hilarious. And I think they weren't afraid to spread that shade. But I think with the puppet show, I think both, all of them kind of held back. It was a bit meh for me. Yeah, because you could tell that Lawrence was loving the fact that she got Ellie. And I was ready for her to tear into her, you know, because we've all the drama in the past few weeks. But she didn't really do much. Um, I was expecting her to go full throttle. But no, it was it was a nice little display of shade. But I didn't really gag. Do you know what, Uma? You'd be so easy to impersonate with a puppet. <gasps> oh, there we go. It'd be so easy. It'd be like, hey, sis. <laughs> I'm a fashion editor, but I only uh, wear hoodies. No, girl. I'm triggered, sis. Love to see it, sis. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. God. <laughs> <laughs> Are you triggered? I am triggered, yeah. <laughs> Are you wearing a blue hoodie? This is the first hoodie I've worn in a long time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Do it. He's an amateur, guys. Oh, He's God. an amateur. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So the Queen's got assigned their roles in the Beastenders Challenge by Bimini, because she won the puppet display. Bimini as Scat Slater, perfect combo, right? The landlady of the Queen, Dick. <laughs> oh, God, I love this. Lawrence was assigned Phyllis Bitchell, mm. the female equivalent of <laughs> Phil Mitchell. Tace, Karen Bitchell, and Ellie Thought Bottom. Do you think these roles were assigned perfectly? I think they were. I think all of them delivered both the aesthetic and look of their characters. What about you? Yeah, I think they were assigned perfectly, to be honest. Especially Bimini as Scat Slater, because she's already wearing fucking leopard print, isn't she? So, um... From the four characters, I think they were given out quite fairly. And I think each character kind of played on the personalities of each queen. So I think that, I think it was interesting. And fair. Yeah, I agree. But my only complaint is, I feel like with a challenge like this, it should have had more queens. Um, I don't think four queens is enough to do a challenge like this justice. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like if we had people like, I don't know, Ginny Lemon involved as Jean Slater, or a horror as Sharon or Chrissy or Bianca, do you mm. know what I mean? Joe Black as Nick Cotton. Do you know what I mean? Like, we needed more characters. Yeah, I agree. I think what would have made it better is if it was more queens and then just different scenes per each kind of scenario or character interaction. For me, it was great to see Lawrence and Ellie in their pairing and then Bimini and Tace doing their little scene. But then I think it just kind of got a bit too chaotic and all over the place, whereas I think it would have been funnier if it was, like, three different locations, different scenarios, and just saw that kind of pan out. So, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Also, I love how Drag Race Season 13 has virtual appearances from um, Academy Award-nominated actresses, such as Scarlett Johansson and Anne Hathaway. And we have Sonia Fowler. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's no shade to Natalie Cassidy, because she is a British legend. But I just love how US, like, viewers would get hyped up over those appearances. But we're, like, buzzing over here over Sonia Fowler. <laughs> I mean, Sonia, I think Sonia gave acting critique that was on level with Anne Hathaway, to be honest. Yeah, true. Do you remember that comedian that impersonated Natalie Cassidy? Do you yeah, when she was like, I'm just doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Hello, I'm Natalie Cassidy. Do you remember? <laughs> Morgana Robinson was her I name. I loved She's... her. I'm just doing this now. <laughs> <laughs> For all we know, that could have been Morgana Robinson on the sh on the show. Oh god, I had to watch that clip several times. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Natalie Casti was actually a very good guest judge this week. I thoroughly enjoyed everything that she was thrown at the queens when she had got them to do different emotions, and I liked how she brought in the iconic catchphrases. I really, really enjoyed her. I want to see her on that panel. 
I mean, yeah, that was interesting and we'll get on to it in a bit, but it's funny how they did the video appearance from her, but they never had a guest judge on the actual episode. So uh, we'll maybe that was that a, a missed <laughs> opportunity. Yeah, I mean, she probably only lives down the road, right? I mean, they managed to get guest judges all season. I don't know why they thought they had to get her in virtually. I, to be honest, I don't know where Natalie Cassidy lives. And <laughs> to be honest, I don't know if RuPaul even knows who, who the fuck she is. God, you're dragging <laughs> Natalie, you're dragging Sonia through the hedge. No, no, I don't mean, no. Honestly, I love Sonia fucking Fowler. She's a national treasure. She's a national treasure, yeah. Yeah, she is. <laughs> um, so in the actual challenge, I was surprised when Lawrence was kind of messing up her lines. Why do I always find it funnier, though, when the queens mess up? <laughs> I mean, it was interesting, because I feel like we've seen this with Lawrence time and time again. It's like, when she's in her own element, she can deliver. But then when it's, like, showtime, something happens where she just kind of... Gets in her own head. Yeah, which surprises me because she is so good at acting. Like, every time she was doing something and then failed, I was still laughing. Like, it was brilliant. Like, her Phil Mitchell accent. I'm sorry, that was fucking spot on. That was brill. I mean, <laughs> the look. I mean, why was her turtleneck so high up? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I was like, why is it? It's literally like going over a chin. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> what was going on there? Her accent was amazing. It was it was literally as if Shirley and Phil Mitchell had a baby. <laughs> and then it just came out as Lawrence. I'm just laughing now because I, I don't think I've ever seen Phil Mitchell in a turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been watching a lot of EastEnders lately. <laughs> I don't I don't understand, but it was great. But the, when when she messed up, it always takes me back to some of the iconic moments throughout Drag Race history when queens fuck up. You know, like I think I mentioned this on another podcast. I don't know. But you know when Monica Beverly Hills is fucking up Sunlight on the Skin in season five, Drumbo? Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I remember most about that challenge because it was just so funny. And I, I got that again this week because you know the bit when Lawrence was talking to Ellie and then Ellie was just waiting for the line to come to her and she was just staring at Lawrence's face. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, then she, <laughs> and then she was like, it's Phyllis, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I don't know if I agree with Ellie's comments about why she was fucking up. Like, I, I get it. She was a bit thrown off because Lawrence was um, mucking up her lines. But then she should have known that the character was called Phyllis Bitchell. Like, you can't... <laughs> you have no excuse for not knowing that part. No, definitely. But then talking of Ellie Diamond, I thought she was actually quite surprisingly funny in this little um, BeastEnders challenge. I mean, her and Mickey's Love scene. Oh my god, June Brown is sat at home right now watching Drag Race UK. Well, and she is not <laughs> happy. <laughs> I want to see the outtakes from that scene. Because Ellie was messing up so much in the challenge. So I don't think it would have gone according to plan when she had to hump the fuck up. <laughs> out of Mickey. So I really want to see the outtakes from that. That would be a sight to see. <laughs> What did you think of Bimini and Taste? Do you think they gave it all they could? I think Bimini and Taste for me actually sold the show. Taste with her five shades, two light boobs and the big <laughs> hair. I think she delivered a classic East End slapper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought Taste was hilarious. The constant hair flips had me. And you know what was great about Taste's performance? She had layers and also great physical comedy. Mm, and that's those were the tips that Natalie Cassidy gave, you know. You've got to have ebb and flow. Exactly. And I'm not sure if this is a controversial opinion, but I do think that throughout the challenge, Bimini was a bit one note. Like, going into it, I fully expected her to be the scene stealer because she's going to be Scat Slater, do you know what I mean? Iconic mm. character. But I think she could have gone further. But her seductive pose when she was scrubbing the floor was a highlight for me. Oh, I agree. I think Bimini, looking back at the episode, I think she gave a good characterization. But I think her and Lawrence, for me, both in that challenge, I think they got quite stunted by the script, where it was like, it wasn't a natural back and forth. It was kind of like delivering a line and then just staring at each other kind of thing. I didn't think it was the most natural performance. Yeah. 
Is that all we have to say about it, Umar? Do you think? If I had to be really honest, and I don't want to be a Debbie Downer on the East End, <laughs> whatever, it was a good challenge. The bones of it had so much promise. I just don't think it took me fully there because I don't have that like, oh my God, I'm rolling on the floor, laughing kind of reaction. There's not much to say about it. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I think the final product did deliver some hilarious moments, such as, you know, you ain't my drag mother. That was great. And obviously Lawrence pulled it out of the park. Is that the same, pulled it out of the park? Knocked it. Oh, is it hit it out of the park? Hit it out of the park in the end. Ooh. I think they were all great. They were all great. Yeah. But there, was, there wasn't something there that, like you said, had me rolling on the floor, LMFAOing, you know? I think also... To give credit to the queens, it is that kind of last leg moment where it's like, you've done so much. Like, this season as a whole has been phenomenal. I mean, who would have thought UK Drag Race in season two is enough to rival season 13 of the US show? Rival? It surpassed it everywhere. I'd say it even rivals All Stars 2 as one of the most enjoyable seasons ever. Yeah, I'm going there. <laughs> I think it's one of those things where it's like the finish line is there. And like you said, like you hit the nail on the head where it's like if it was a bigger variety of queens and more characters and more chaos, I think it would have just hit home a bit stronger. But I think all of them did a good job with the material they were given. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. There was a lot of other things that were going along in the episode. We had Lawrence and Ellie round 55. Do you know what? Last week, I know we were kind of critical of Ahura and Lawrence for hitting out Ellie because it is, you know, it's a competition, right? But when Lawrence said this week that she's really close with Ellie, they've had sleepovers and all that mishigos, right? I was starting to feel for her a little bit more because, like, were we being too harsh last week, do you think? Like, what if we. Lawrence? On Lawrence and Ahura, just, like, just because... No. Oh, I don't know. What, no, no, you're right, you're right. No, but, like, grow a backbone, because yeah. build a bridge and get over it. Like, literally oh. get over it. Like, the sisterhood and the friendships, it's always going to be there. Like, whether they had that seven-month break or whether they didn't, <laughs> I mean, on the other side of the show wrapping up, you're all going to, like, get over it. You're all going to... You know, you share this experience together... Everything's rosy, looking forward. But I think Lawrence throwing in those kind of, like, emotional guilt trip kind of sentiments with Ellie, I just didn't get it. It's just kind of a way of, I think, Lawrence knocking Ellie off her game a little bit and getting in her head. I mean, at the end of the day, she hasn't won a badge, but she hasn't been in the bottom two, whereas Lawrence has, so... Yeah, but then Lawrence has got three... Badges, so I don't understand why she was so pent up about it. But like, I was trying to think how I would react in that situation. Obviously, this is not me saying that me and Umar are on Drag Race UK season three. This is not me confirming that at all. Maybe season four. But would you be angry at me in that situation if I put you in a position where you, which you didn't like? I don't think I would. I think what's interesting about that dynamic is I think. I'm surprised that Lawrence isn't more self-aware of how she's coming across in those moments. I feel like even if I was, like, outraged and pent up with, like, hatred towards you, <laughs> I wouldn't let you see it. I wouldn't let you see me swear. No, you just bitch about me in the confessionals, wouldn't you? Yeah, I would. I'd drag <laughs> you to filth. <laughs> with Lawrence, I think it's... I think it ultimately comes down to... And this is not a criticism on her. I think it just comes down to maybe there's moments of self-insecurity. She's not performing in a way that she knows she probably probably could in mm. different circumstances. So I think all of that kind of pressure cooker environment, self-reflecting, not doing so well, I think it just unfortunately just projects and explodes onto probably the people that she's most closest to. When you think about when you're angry, when you're lashing out, you you do kind of like spew all spew? of that. Spew? <laughs> and you spew all of that. <laughs> you spew it on the people closest to you. So I think Grey making good TV, making drama in the workroom. But I mean, 
when the show wraps up, I'm sure all of them will not even care about any of the running order drama. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know we have opinions, right? But we don't go online and spout off. We don't spew online. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and last week, Lawrence deactivated her Twitter account because she was getting so much hate for it. It just baffles me. Because like, when I spoke to Ahura, obviously Ahura last week in the episode, she had a lot of pent-up anger towards Ellie as well. But then she assured me in the interview that, you know, her and Ellie are best friends. They FaceTime each other while they're on the lavatory. Ahura seen intimate parts of Ellie on FaceTime. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're friends. They're all friends. Stop sending them out. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, God. We need a whole episode dedicated to these angry fans and just calling them out. It was nice at the end of the day, even if it spiralled onto this episode, they did have an elbow handshake. So all's good in the Scottish Highland, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) The Scottish Highlands. There's peace in the Scottish Highlands at last. God, you're spewing today, aren't you? You are spewing. (laughs) Okay, silence. The time has come for this conversation to halt Umar due to our ad break. We'll be back after this to spill the tea on the runway, the Queen's critiques, and the lip sync. Dun, 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 dun. Did you know that Gay Times Plus members get more from the world of Gay Times? I did not. Tell me more. They enjoy the full, uncensored episodes of Snatched. I mean, us uncensored sounds like trouble, but let's go. We're adding more benefits all the time, and the memberships are available anywhere in the world. And we love an international hunt. So make sure you sign up and join our growing community of LGBTQ plus people just like you. Learn more and sign up at gaytimesplus.com. That's gaytimesplus.com. Click, click. Okay, so Uma, before we get into the runway, we need to speak about this week's special guest judge. Special guest judge. I thought, going into this, because this is an EastEnders challenge, right, we could be blessed with the likes of, you know, Pam St. Clement, right? You know, Jesse Wallace. Who's Pam St. Clement? You... <laughs> say, the, Pam... say the character names, honey. I don't know, I don't know who Pam is. <laughs> Pam St. Clement is yeah. Pat Butcher. I showed you a, a few a weeks ago icon. a picture. She's a queer icon. <laughs> yeah, do you remember when I showed you a picture of her autobiography? Because um, her autobiography <gasps> title is The End of an Ear ring and it has her with a great big ear on when Pat's ear <laughs> an end of an ear ring <laughs> if we're talking about actresses rivaling Anne Hathaway Pam St. Clements Pam St. Clements <laughs> yeah so all I'm saying Umar is I thought we were going to have a great big guest judge but no we got a fucking doll of Mickey aka Danny Dyer's character I I ugh I know you've got your reservations on Mickey, but whoever was doing the voiceovers, I thought he came out with a couple of funny one, one-liners one or two. Such as? I mean, nothing comes to the top of my mind <laughs> right now, but in the heat of the episode, I was, I was laughing. I know, but I just going into it, the, the Drag Race UK accounts on social media were bigging up this special guest appearance. So I thought, oh God, it's going to be someone big. Is it going to be a Barbara Windsor hologram? But no, it's a doll. A doll. <sighs> Sorry, I'm, I know we're going to, we're going to, we're going to come into conflict over this, but I just, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, honey. Yeah. So anyway, this week's runway was panto themed. Panto. I'm not very well versed in the panto realm, but I thought they looked cute. But tell me anyway, what did you think of these looks? I mean, um, I mean, um, he's behind you. <laughs> no, why did I say that? That makes no sense. No, no, it, no, it does make sense because they had it on their asses, didn't they? Remember, they had he's behind you and it's behind you. Yeah, but I, I think it was an okay runway. Yeah, Lawrence. And Bimini, I think they got that kind of... Because it wasn't a pantomime dame. So I think they got the caricature right. But on the whole, I think, again, it was cute. It was great. But I wasn't wowed by any of them. The only one I was wowed by was actually Taste. Because I thought... I actually praised 
her in my mind for stepping a little <laughs> bit outside the box because I'm sure like a fairy godmother is a pantomime trope um, and she looked gorgeous. I mean, her wings were... I mean, she needed a Red Bull, didn't she? Because her wings weren't there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Taste looked gorgeous as the fairy godmother. Yeah, I would, I would like to see her in a Cinderella epic in that get-up. Yeah, I think, like you said, it was all very samey-samey. I'm not sure if that's just me being ignorant because I don't really know much about Panto, but I wasn't blown away this week. What did you think of the critiques? Because I was a bit shocked, stunned, flabbergasted, gobsmacked with these critiques this week. The comments didn't really add up to what we saw pan out as such. Taste had it quite harsh, didn't she? Yeah, I thought Taste is criticism and I think Ellie Diamond's criticism. I think those two were the most, I think they were the most like polarizing where I just didn't get what the judges were coming at. Yeah, like when Michelle said that Taste should have channeled a Karen for the role. I didn't really agree with that. I didn't agree with that. And also I was like, well, I think Taste did the job of making people laugh. Oh, she was my she was my top this week, I have to say. She was definitely my top as well. And I think her facial expressions, the range, her hitting the punchlines, you know, with the right timing and comedic effect, I think it all worked with Taste. I didn't really get that criticism. And then also Ellie Diamond's criticism, where I think Michelle said something, she was the best actress or something out of yeah she said she was the best actress and then graham norton came chiming in saying that he thinks that she didn't pull off a good dot cotton kind of impersonation if that makes sense which yeah i don't agree with it feels like they were very nitpicky this week i know we're down to the final four so you've got a nitpick but some of these critiques i was just like where, where on earth did you get that from? If you look at this week in particular, because it's such an even playing field of everyone did okay, everyone's runway is okay. I think they were nitpicking, but also I think they were giving strategic pros and cons to everyone because mm. I think they, in their heads, didn't know who was going to land in the bottom two. Yeah. It kind of felt like everything was in the air, so no one really got a standing ovation critique and no one really got a complete failure critique. It was just kind of like in limbo. And I think, I mean, yeah, I think if you had to summarize the whole episode, it was very limbo-esque. Yeah. In Untucked, Taste was understandably kind of miffed off with her critique, saying she felt overlooked by the judges. Um, and then she <laughs> then she called out Ellie and Lawrence for the lack of preparation and the challenge. <laughs> Which I didn't see coming. I was like, okay, yeah, why not? Why not? But it's also like, if you win an Oscar, the Academy doesn't consider whether you fucked up in filming. Do you know what I mean? So I don't understand that bit. You know when Queen's like, well, you should have been a bottom because you weren't very good in preparation. I don't understand that critique because they pulled it off in the end. No, I agree. But also, I don't agree. Because the way things are edited when it comes to acting challenge, any Queen that asks for line, line... <laughs> Can I read you that? What's this? It's always kind of... I mean, that's not a criminal offence. Like, I mean, I'm sure Scarlett Johansson or Jennifer Lawrence, I think they ask for a line or two when they're in a bit of a, you know, a flustered mess. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. But the show makes it out that if you dare ask for, you know, a prompt, then <laughs> you've committed treason. So I think I understand where Taste was coming from because usually queens that stumble along their script do find themselves in the bottom two. But ultimately, even though I wasn't wowed by Lawrence's performance, I think what sold Lawrence was the voice and it was very much EastEnders. It was BeastEnders, do you know what I mean? Like you knew Shirley, Phil, the references were there. And unfortunately, maybe taste and... Well, not really for Ellie Diamond because that was clearly Dot Cotton. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't know yeah. what the rhyme and reason was. Yeah, I just think this week they should have taken a season 12 approach. You know, do you remember season 12 where they were like, look, we actually don't know who could be in the bottom this week, so we're going to base it off track record. Do you remember then Jackie Cox and Crystal Method were in the bottom? I feel like they should just been a bit transparent with it this week and been like, look, Tace Nelly, you're not stacking up against Lawrence and Bimini, so that's why we're doing this. You're in the bottom. I think that would have just been a fairer way to do it because looking at their critiques, I don't agree. I just don't agree. Yeah, and I think also it's one of those things where it's like, if taste and ellie are 
the winners and safe for the challenge, then you're putting Bimini and Lawrence, who are the biggest badge wearers, in the bottom two. So then it's kind of like, do you know what I mean? It's a very tricky, mm. fiddly situation. So yeah. yeah, maybe it's just like the penultimate episode, awkward kind of situation, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not on the panel, so I wouldn't have done it. But what I thought would have happened was, I would have thought Taste would have got a win. Because I do, I do think she was the most laugh out loud funniest. Taste got a win. She's got two badges, and then she would have advanced to the final. And then I think the bottom for me should have been Ellie and Bimini, personally, because I do think Lawrence hit out of the park. So I was really shocked when Bimini walked away with her fourth one. I'm, I've got nothing against Bimini. I think going into it, the crown is hers to lose at the moment. Um, I love Bimini, but I just the crown is hers to lose. Yeah, that's the saying, isn't it? Like. Like, it's theirs to lose. Do you know what I mean? Have you not heard that oh, before? Come on, education. <laughs> <laughs> so, the crown is Bimini's to lose, you know? I love Bimini. I She's made me laugh out loud so much this season, but yeah. I didn't feel as strongly about her performance this week. So, I was shocked when she won. Did you see her win coming? Mm, I think... It's like last week again, I think. Where it's like, Bimini has this really good ability of like, finding that sweet spot. She just ticks all the boxes. The runway, main challenge combined, she was funny enough, she got the characterization enough, and her look on the runway was good enough. So I think yeah. when you combine everything, she's the safest choice to crown the winner of the week. I personally would have given it to taste, but then I don't know what that does with, you know, track records and placement yeah okay so Tace and Ellie have found themselves in the bottom two which wasn't very surprising oh, no. considering their critiques right but then like we said I think Tace was the front runner she should have won the challenge I'm sorry she that was she should have won the oh. challenge she should have taken it home and I mean her runway wasn't a disaster way kind of, like, knocked her off that win, if that makes sense. And also, I think it was just a weird one, because now I think Taste, as much as she slayed the lip sync, and she has done in the previous weeks, I mean, four times in the bottom two, it's just, it's not a good, it's not a good track record at this point. So, I no. was I was sad to see her in that position. Also, we're on week nine, and you're still, you're still saying Taste. Oh, my... <laughs> No, it's Taysa. 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 It's Taysa. Yeah, I know. Four four weeks in the bottom isn't a good look. And that's something that only a few queens have accomplished in Drag Race history and still, you know, not been eliminated. But anyway, I'm glad we did. Even though it was a double shantay, I am glad we got a lip sync this week because it was to a step song. Last thing on my mind, my prayers from last week were answered. You know, when I was banging on about classic British pop songs they should do. So I was really, really happy with this this classic, which I know you weren't aware of beforehand. Do you know what? I'm going to put it out there on the line. I was um, much more an S Club 7 kind of uh, toddler or prepubescent <laughs> entity. <laughs> <laughs> um, I never was really into steps. They never really um, did it for me. So I had no idea what this timeless hit that you speak of was. <laughs> it, 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 you're right. It's a timeless hit, honestly. I think there's two types of gays in the world, right? Steps gay and an S Club 7 gay. And we just established which ones we were. But yeah, I really enjoyed this lip sync. Did you? I think it was a bag of surprises. When I saw Ellie <laughs> Diamond do that cartwheel <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah. I was gagged. I was like, right, here we go, right. Ellie Diamond. You spin, <laughs> you spin on that stage. I think what was really good about the lip sync was, because we've seen Taste in the bottom two, three times before, I think Ellie Diamond actually gave her a little bit of run for her money. And then she it made Taze kind of get into her, like, ultimate form mode of giving it even more. And I think both of them really just pushed each other. And we've got a really fabulous, you know, lip sync that, in my opinion, maybe is up there with Brooklyn Heights versus Evie Oddly. A little bit. It gave me that energy of, like, two queens are just ramping it up. Every, every, every minute. 
Okay. I mean, it was a good, it was a good lip sync. I would not compare it to that. I All feel like, right. I feel like that was completely like top <laughs> tier. <laughs> That was an acrobatic extravaganza, you know, all the gays across the world let out a collective, you know, yas when that lip sync happened. I wouldn't say it had the same impact, this one. Um, it was a good one, obviously, but yeah, I, 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 I think you're, you're oversaying. God, I'm just trying to, I'm just... <laughs> you're just trying, trying to be trying positive, to, I know. I'm just trying to find a silver lining and a... <laughs> yeah, yeah, In yeah. a, but, um, a kind of a flat episode. <laughs> but also, looking, looking back, I think... I know we were pretty harsh. Well, I think I was pretty harsh on the Beast Ender Challenge. But looking back, I think I think it was funny. I think it wasn't the worst we've seen from an acting challenge. No, but you know when Michelle said it was up there with some of our best, I wouldn't agree with that. I mean, my favourite of all time is the telenovela challenge in season five with Jinx, Coco... Detox, Alyssa, and Alaska. Do you remember that one? Oh, God, you always put me on the spot with this <laughs> drag race knowledge. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, yeah, it rings the bell. <laughs> I'm trying to think, well, my favourite acting challenge would be All Stars 2, when it is, was it Whatever Happened to Baby Jane or something? And yeah. you had Ginger Minge with eggs, eggs, eggs. And you had Alyssa Edwards. No, 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 no. Gin, no, Ginger with XXX was season seven. Sorry to... Oh, my God. Oh sorry God. to ridicule you. Sorry to, to embarrass you in front of everyone. But that was Should season seven. Should we just seven. drag me off this podcast? <laughs> drag me off it? <laughs> Confiscate my mic. Why don't you? Um, okay, well, Alyssa Edwards as John Crawford. That was... Yeah, that was brilliant wrong. for all the wrong reasons. But I mean, it's the bit where she's like, "You, you, you know, I can't use, use my legs." <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. Oh my god! Um, also, whatever happened to um, was it? Who was the judge before Michelle Visage? Whatever happened to Myrtle? Well, something like that. <laughs> that was hilarious. M- Myrtle. For, I thought. I honestly thought you were going to say Myrtle Snow then for American Horror Story. No, it was Merle Ginsburg. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Merle. Oh Do you know what? God. I've I've woken up this morning in this podcast and that amnesia really kicked in. Oh today. God, the amnesia's <laughs> made a comeback. Oh Just God. blame it on the amnesia. Oh, um, right. But well, yeah, I... I think I agree. Michelle, <laughs> I mean, I think the judges were just a bit too hyped up this episode, I think. Oh, but it's so hard because when I then think about it, again, it was a, it, overall, at the end, it was a really funny little challenge they did. But I think right now I wouldn't say it was up there with the best, you know? No, I agree. I agree. But then, so Ellie and Tate do the damn thing. It's a double shantay. Four people have got to the final. What is your thoughts on having four queens? <laughs> I, don't, I like it when there's four queens and we can expect a lip sync smackdown for the crown. You know, which started in season nine with Sasha Valor and whatnot, right? I know it got a little bit a little bit stale towards the end, but I think if there's four queens in the finale, that's what I'm gonna expect from now on. I feel like when it's just a finale that's filmed in a studio, you know, just like a normal crowning, I want three queens there. I I I just I don't like the look of a of a four person finale, especially when maybe one person doesn't deserve to be there. Oh, I'm not so um who doesn't deserve to be there? Well, I think in the lip sync, Taste did beat Ellie. Mm-hmm. I know it was her fourth time. I love Ellie, I do. And looking at her track record, she should really make it to the finale, right? Because she it was her first time in the bottom. Taste had four bottoms, right? But Taste beat her fair and square, I think, personally. So she yeah. should have advanced the finale and Ellie should have got the chop. And I think also you raised a really good point. Did I? You raised... You did. Wow. You did. <laughs> I'll give you your chops. Um, <laughs> they should have just gone through the track record. Because I think especially with the UK season, if there's been so much emphasis on badges, badges, how many badges have you got? What does that mean for your placement mm-hmm. in the competition? I think they should have just looked at the track record in this episode and been like, all of you did really amazing. We'll do a lip sync for the sake of a lip sync. But I think RuPaul might have swayed in favour of that when it was time to 
giving yeah. I mean, do we sound like absolute Debbie Downers where we're like, no, two people cannot win <laughs> the lip sync. Well, no, this is this is this is just our opinion, you know. We're not on the panel, we're just drag race viewers just sharing our opinion. I mean, I'm I'm happy Freli that she's got to the final and I'm sure they're all gonna pull off some something sickening next week. But I I just think personally, I only want a top four if there's gonna be a lip sync a thon, you know? Yeah, I blame Mickey. I blame oh, that, man that fucking Mickey. <laughs> Okay, so this week, because we don't have an eliminated queen, I spoke to our reigning Drag Race UK winner, The Vivian, about her thoughts on season two and who she wants to win. Get a load of this. How are you enjoying this season of Drag Race UK? I'm loving it. It took me a couple of episodes to really get into it because, and you know, speaking super honestly, and I think I speak to the rest of the girls um, from season one as well, you know, we did season one, it was kind of our baby. It was the first ever season. Um, and the love we all got from it was just, I don't think anyone could have ever expected it. So, you know, there was the, there was that bit of, I, I can't describe what it was. I think it was like, oh, that's our workroom kind of thing. Oh, that was my station. Oh, she's getting ready in my mirror. But then because it was such a, you know, it's such a great cast. I think that lasted for like a week. And then it's become... Thursday has become the day to look forward to in lockdown. So I think that's been great for everyone to have. But yeah, amazing cast of girls. It's been really interesting to see who my favourites have been and how that's changed throughout the season. Before the competition started, who did you look up in the lineup and think that's a winner? So I'd worked with Lawrence before. Lawrence had hosted my show that I did in Scotland. Um, so I knew she was great. I knew she was really comfortable on a stage and with a microphone, um, which is what I always kind of look for in a queen. You know, how good are they on stage? You know, that's what I want out of a drag queen. I love I love a queen that looks gorgeous on Instagram. But um, if you're making me part with my hard-earned money, I want to see something good on stage, you know? Taste, I knew she was amazing. Bimini, I got to work with. Um, I knew they were great. And Ginny Lemon. I've worked with Ginny quite a lot and um, knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, just your average contestant. <laughs> I had a feeling something was going to happen. <laughs> and it's just Ginny all over. I think she likes to put a nice middle finger up to some things. And I think she did. I think, she, they, you know, I think they did the right thing for themselves in that moment. I know they got a lot of you know, a lot of flack for saying, oh, you've taken someone's position and you've walked off the show. Somebody else could have done that. But, you know, unless you're in that position, you just don't know what's going through people's minds. And they didn't want to go on any further. You know, they did the right thing for them. Besides Ginny Lemon walking out of the series, what has been the most shocking moment for you personally watching this series? I, don't, I wouldn't say shocking, but one of my favourite moments has been seeing Bimini um, on Snatch Game, because that's one of my favourite episodes. I think it's one of everyone's favourite episodes every season. And was it the best Snatch Game in history, collectively? I'm going to say no. But uh, <laughs> let's just say... Let's just say, thank God Bimini was there. Yeah. I mean, what a, great, what a great Snatch Game. Really gutted that Rue talked Tia out of Shirley Bassey, because it was literally the week before... Mm. I said, why has no one done a Shirley Bassey yet? Oh, you know, it's so quintessentially British and drag. And then Tia said, well, I was thinking about doing Shirley Bassey. And Rue was like, no, why don't you do Mel B? I was like, no, Rue, I want to see Shirley. So yeah, Tia not doing Shirley Bassey. Bimini doing a fabulous Katie Price. Katie Price. <laughs> and, yeah, and I mean, what, what's more shocking than Jenny walking off? So yeah. that's the top sure. three. <laughs> If you had to compete on Snatch Game again and you had to do a different character, who would you pick? Oh, God, there's a plethora of people I'd love to do. I want to I kind of fill my own Snatch Game, you know, just like green screen me in, six different positions. There's, oh, my God, there's loads of people. I'd love to do some sort of Robin Williams character, Catherine Tate, Kim Woodburn, Stella Black, yeah. oh, Jennifer Coolidge. There's so many, so many I'd love to do. There's not, I don't think there's enough episodes just for one character. So maybe... Maybe that can be a little side project, I'll stick on YouTube or something. <laughs> I mean, you're the only queen who's come into the series ever and given three options, and all three of them have been perfect. Like when you did your impersonation of all three of them, I was like, I want to see, <laughs> I want to see all of them. I want her to do a Bob the Drag Queen and put 
on three different outfits. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what? I got so much, so many people on Twitter go, no, I wish you'd have done Kim. I wish you'd have done Scylla. I'm so happy you did Trump, but I really want to see it. I was like, well, I could only do one. You know, I could only do, and, you know, there was, there was that kind of thing in the back of my head. Do I try and do more than one character? But then, you know, it kind of gets messy with, mm. you know, because I really want the look to be right. I don't want to be sat there with a Trump face, but a Kim wig and, <laughs> you know, and Silla's teeth. Can you imagine? <laughs> exactly. I mean, you slayed every single challenge on your season, right? You're an absolute motherfucking power. Well, not everyone. Not everyone. We won't talk about the girl group challenge. <laughs> I mean, you only <laughs> fell into the bottom once, right? Which is pretty impressive. Which yeah. chapters on the season would you would you have killed, do you think? Probably the Rusical challenge. I love a good Rusical. And I think I'd I think I'd have been good at the, the stand-up one as well. But I, I wouldn't have wanted to do it on season two. I'd I'd want you know, I think it was a little shady making them do a stand-up challenge to a room full of mannequins and and blow up dolls i just think you know as somebody who does stand up in their shows having an audience and a laughter to gauge what's working and what's not so i think it was very shady of them to to make them do that to an empty room basically it must have been so hard oh my god you just can't can you you can't just do it in front of four people especially when they're no i mean me and Bagger went back out on tour after second lockdown. When, when we were allowed to after second lockdown, I think, or first lockdown, and everything was socially distanced, and a lot of the venues were very strict on the crowd making no noise at all. They were just allowed to clap. Mm-hmm. So, doing, you know, telling jokes on stage and having no reaction, you know, that. so I, I really felt for them on that episode. Yeah. So, tell me, who is your winner right now? you got to pick one. Who do you want to usurp you? as the reigning queen of Drag Race UK? Bimini. I want Bimini to win. Mm-hmm. They're the only person, you know, I've just fell in love with them more and more. They're the mm-hmm. only person who hasn't really caused drama, hasn't been involved with drama. Um, they're so, so intelligent. They look fantastic. They've really progressed from episode to episode to episode as well, which is something I really like to see. Yeah, I just think they'll be a great reigning queen. So, what do you think about the Vivian's choice for a winner? Do you think we're looking at a Bimini win? Well, I don't know. Are we, are we meant to be impartial on this podcast? Or are we allowed to campaign for our for our winner? I don't know. Campaign? Do it. Yeah, do I'm going to campaign. <laughs> I think <laughs> Team Bimini all the way for me. I think... I just think everything that's been thrown at Bimini... She's just delivered, whether it's an acting challenge, choreography, singing, a sewing challenge. I don't know, like, I think anything you've given the girl, she's just turned it out. And also, like you've established, she, I think, is this season's fashion queen. And one fashion queen to another, I just... (laughs) I um, have really enjoyed her her content so that's my winner yeah she's had a wonderful progression i like the whole kind of i get knocked down but i get up again vibe from her you know she lip synced in first episode and now she's gone on to win four challenges right so wow do you know what that song oh it's so good it's actually a fifa world cup song and she was wearing a football shirt in the episode that she was lip syncing. Oh my god! And I didn't even make oh, that correlation. Oh, I did it. Yeah. Wow. No, no. <laughs> wow. Look at you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love that. Do you know what? Moments like that, crossovers like that, just seal the deal. So she's gonna win now. Oh, it's a sign. It's a sign. Statistically speaking, Bimini is our winner, right? Four challenge wins, and that is something that not a lot of queens have managed to get in their time on Drag Race. I mean. Shay Coulee got four wins, so did Gigi Good, so did Sharon Needles, so did Benjela Creme, well, she got five on All Stars, but that's a different story. However, Shay and Gigi both got four wins, and did they win in their original stint? No. So anything could happen. Anything could happen, and I think that all depends on the final kind of challenge and the final kind of twist, if there is going to be one, because I don't think there will be, I think... For what we've seen in the preview, I think it's going to be an all-encompassing, rusical-esque kind of dance performance to maybe a RuPaul song. And I can't see 
Bimini failing at that. Um, oh no, she's gonna give us splits, kicks, flips, all the other sickening tricks. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I can't wait to see. I think Bimini has just cut through the competition and just delivered her best. And I think if you compare that with Lawrence and maybe Tace and Ellie Diamond as well, I think they've had more rise and falls. Yeah, to be honest, to be honest, looking at this um, as a fan and as someone who's studied all the seasons, Tace and Ellie have no shot of winning, unfortunately. There's never been, no, <laughs> I mean, no, no, but I, I'm just, I'm just saying that from a statistics point of view, right? There's never been a queen who's won the show who hasn't won a challenge, AKA Ellie. And there's never been a queen who's won the show who's been in the bottom more than two times, you know? So it, it doesn't work out in their favor. Yeah, I think Bimini has cut through the competition. She's done the goddamn thing. And also, I think as a UK season, I think it would be great for a non-binary queen to take the crown. Especially with, like, you know, Media Circus and Brexit and Piers Morgan trashing the whole goddamn place. I feel like having a beautiful non-binary <laughs> rainbow-esque... <laughs> moment i think you'll just be absolutely gorgeous so and agreed with Piers leaving good morning britain and bimini being crowned the uk's next drag superstar it would be a win for queers everywhere this is what we want to see it would be like one big pride celebration that's long overdue yes 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 on next week's grand finale, the queens will compete in an all-singing, all-dancing extravaganza for the crown. Choreographer Jay Revel will coach the contestants in their last maxi challenge, while Michelle Visage, Alan Carr, Graham Norton, and all of the eliminated queens will return to witness RuPaul crown a brand new queen. Umar, namaste. You stay. Oh, Sam. Namaste. Sashay away. Oh! <laughs> Bye. Snatched is a Gay Times original podcast. Subscribe and listen to more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure you're following at Gay Times on all major social media platforms for the latest LGBTQ news, culture, and entertainment. Loved this episode of Snatched? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Finally, make sure you check out Gay Times Plus, our membership platform for everyone in our community. And remember, you can find more information at gaytimesplus.com. 